YouTube. So now we are live on all of our feeds on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and streaming live on our website, lettertofilipi.org. So welcome to everyone, and uh, we'll be continuing our uh, our look at the introduction and background to the Paul's Letter to Philippi, and then we'll be getting tomorrow looking at the first verse of the first chapter. So today we can we'll be looking at the the letter itself, when it was written, the composition of the letter, the background to uh, how the letter got to the people in Philippi and some of the issues that Paul will be looking at in his letter to the people of Philippi, commonly known as the Book of Philippians. So we'll begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our study of looking at the background to Paul's letter to Philippi. O oh Lord, you are good. We thank you. We bless your holy name. It is an honor each day, Lord, to be able to come to you and look into your holy words, the words of your servant Paul, and to find new ways for us to learn to live more like our righteous Messiah, to become more and more and more in the Messiah each day by looking at your holy word, looking at his words by, by your servant Paul. Help us, Lord, to, to be able to see things new about you today as we look into the background to Paul's letter to Philippi as we begin going into our fourth study through the letter to Philippi. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Messiah Yeshua, who is our life and in whose name we pray. Amen. So yesterday we looked at, at some of the introductory material, the, the cultural background to Paul's letter to Philippi. And, to, and today we're going to be looking at the actual letter itself, the composition of the letter. When was it written? Where was it written from? What issues was Paul looking to, to uh, speak to in his letter? And that will set us up for tomorrow for us to get into looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. So the letter itself, the letter itself was written by Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul. And it was written from Rome around 62 of the Common Era. It's, it's, it's considered, considered that Paul was, was executed by Nero around 65 of the Common Era. So this letter is written in that period of his, of his final years of life, during his final imprisonment, which was recorded in Acts 28, 14-31, where it speaks about Paul being in prison in Rome waiting his impending execution. Philippians is one of four books written by Paul, which are known as the prison epistles or prison letters, which include Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. All four letters are, were written from prison, and based on the above, it is held that all four letters are written from Paul's imprisonment in Rome, which we read about and Acts 20, 30 through 31, which reads, Shaul remained two whole years in a place he rented for himself, and he continued receiving all who came to him, openly without hindrance, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. So Paul here in these in these prison prison epistles, which said in Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Paul was was near the end of his life. 
and he's sending out these letters to people he cares about, basically his final words to them in this world, and give them the final instructions that they have to these people, these communities that he, he started. So from his, his prison cell, from his imprisonment, actually a house imprisonment, at, this, at the final days of his life. He wanted to get these words out to these people, basically it's his final words to them before his leaving this world to be united with the Messiah. His final imprisonment before his execution by Nero was under a form of house arrest where he was confined to a written home for the last two years of his life. That Rome was the place of writing of the letter is based on the historic understanding from church history up until the end of the 18th century and also internal references in Philippians to the whole palace and the emperor's household. Also noteworthy is the severe nature of Paul's impending judgment, mentioned in, in chapter 1, verses 19 to 23, where execution was a possibility, meaning he would be facing the emperor's judge, making the only location for the writing in this letter to be in Rome. Some mo modern scholars, such as N.T. Wright, have proposed either Caesarea or Ephesus as a locale for this letter. There are other scholars that understand the late nature of this letter, which, which also points to Rome, based on evidence in the letter, including the, the more advanced Christology, for example, chapter 2's Messianic hymn, and also Paul's reference to elders and deacons, which indicate a formalized structure in, of leadership in Philippi, considered to be a later development in the Messianic communities that Paul planted. This commentary considers Rome to be the place of writing. So there, there, is, there is debate over whether this, this letter was written from Rome, or they said there are others, other more modern scholars like N.T. Wright, who sees that it was written from, from Caesarea or Ephesus, actually, I believe, uh, Right holds to it from being written from Ephesus. So, so there there is debate over whether this this letter was written from his final imprisonment in Rome, which, as I said, was the historical understanding in church history that it, this was written from Rome. This letter to Philippi was written to the Philippians from Rome, but as I said, other other scholars put forward that it could be from his imprisonment in Caesarea, or his imprisonment in Ephesus. Many scholars believe this letter is a combination of two, or even three letters Paul sent to Philippi that have been added into one letter. So there are those who believe that, that, that as we'll go through our study, we'll see that there, there are definite, definite throughout the letters, points it seems that were, were starting and stopping points throughout the letter. There's, there are actually three three times in the letter that, the, that there seems to be a conclusion to, to the letter. And then it goes on to the next, next chapter. But so, the, so that, that gives way to those, those scholars who believe that this may have been multiple letters that Paul sent to the people of Philippi that were edited together in what we have as the, the book of Philippians, letter to Philippi, letter to the Philippians. And, the, and they see that this breakdown of the, le of the letter is as follows. The first letter was chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. Paul's thanks to the Philippians for their gifts. A second letter being chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, 1. And 4, 4 
through 7, and 21 through 23. Warning against division. And a third, as chapter 3, verse 2 through 4, 3, and 8 and 9, an attack on false teachers. So these different themes, different themes of these of these letter, uh, these different themes in these sections of the, the book of Philippians has led some scholars to believe there are multiple letters that were actually edited together, being that they're different themes. As I said, that if there's one theme about thankfulness for their for their giving to him, his 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 talking about division in the community, which was specifically among among leaders in the community who were in division, and also uh, confronting false teachers. So there's a, there's these three themes of uh, that are seen throughout the book. So there there are those who believe. This may have been three different letters that were actually edited together in what we have today as our book of Philippians. In their, in their commentary on the New Testament, D.A. Carson and Douglas Moo proposed three letters that are combined into our current letter. It may seem odd. It is not... Oh, I was, oh, okay. I, I I read that wrong. In in their commentary on the New Testament, D. A. Carson and Douglas Moo proposed that that there being multiple letters that were combined together really doesn't make sense. There's not three letters combined, but but sections of three letters combined together, as you see from the portions of the separate chapters of the current books. This can be understood as modern scholars seeing three letters being written on one theme. Letter one on the Philippians gift, letter two on division of the community, and letter three on false teachers. The Greek word that Paul used for letter is plural, letters, which can bolster the, the idea that those scholars who believe that Paul sent multiple letters which were edited together, that gives a, gives a way for people to, to also see that, is that Paul refers to to letters that he sent to the people of Philippi. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul took the common Hellenistic letter format and used it as a source of instruction and teaching in the early Messianic community. So Paul here is taking the Hellenistic letter format, basically the communication communication form of the time, basically, basically the Facebook or Instagram of the first century, the form of communication that people were familiar with and used for just their basic, basic ordinary conversations, and use that form of communication for sharing deep spiritual teachings and to, to bring forward the transmission of Messianic theology and thought. As one of the early church leaders and writers, Polycarp, who was a student of the Apostle John, admired how Paul wrote, taught in person and through writing, which he interestingly wrote about in his own Philippian letter, known as the Epistle of Polycarp to the Philippians. And Polycarp wrote, For neither I nor any other such one can come up to the wisdom of the blessed and glorified Paul. He would among you accurately and steadfastly taught the word of truth, in the presence of those who were then alive, and when absent from you, he wrote you a letter. 
while originally targeted the particular congregations. Paul's letters also served as teaching tools for other communities. As we see documented in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he instructs the people in Colossae for them to share the letter that he sent to them with the Messianic community in Laodicea, which we've seen in Colossians 4.16, where he wrote, After this letter has been read to you, it was read also in the congregation of the Laodiceans, and you in turn are to read that will come from Laodicea. So we don't have the letter from Laodicea today. We do have the, the book of Colossians, letter to the Colossians. But so this, so this letter, letter, we can see that it was also, there were specific issues for the people in Philippi, but also that these letters were to be shared among the Messianic communities. And they were, as we see, that they were, that they were collected together and, and what we have in the Brukhada Shadaday in the, in the New Testament today, we have, we have 13 of Paul's letters that were, were preserved and collected and are, we, and are being in use today in teaching people about Messianic life and life following the Messiah of Israel. Moreover, nearly 2,000 years later, Paul's letters are studied today and continue to teach each new generation of Yeshua followers. Paul's letters reveals several main purposes and themes. Letter to Philippi here speaks about, first, Paul was motivated to write the Philippians to thank them for their gifts they had sent him upon hearing he was in Rome. Second, Paul expressed gratitude for his relationship with the Philippians. The shared love for Paul for the Philippians and, their, and theirs for Paul define their relationship. This mutual love is reflected in Paul's personal letter focusing on his encouragement of and thankfulness for his dear friends in his life and ministry. Within the personal context, Paul writes openly about his imprisonment and lauds the work of Timothy and Epaphroditus on behalf of him for the Philippian community. Finally, building on the Philippians' closeness and mutual affection for Paul, he speaks to them as their spiritual leader, calling them to unity grounded in humility. The kind of humility exemplified in the life and death of Yeshua described in Philippians 2. Paul urged humility by the Philippians, calling them to unite as an example for Yeshua, thereby continuing to spread the good news. So that that will that will give you some more background material on the, the letter itself, the time that was written the composition of the letter about the issues that Paul will be dealing with as he looks into the book, book of uh, Philippians and as we will go through our study. And uh, just to give a introduction to our, our actual, actual study verse by verse through the book, I will read what I have for the introduction work for the first chapter of Philippians, Philippians chapter one. And for each chapter of the book, I pulled out a, a key verse that we'll be looking at. And for that, we have Philippians 1.21, or the first chapter, which reads, for, for to me, life is the Messiah and death is gain. And we'll see that as we get to Philippians 1.21, as Paul talking about the centrality of Yeshua in his life, that life himself is knowing the Messiah Yeshua. 
In chapter 1, Paul begins his letter to the Philippians, sharing his deep love for this Messianic community. The love he has for the Philippians is grounded in their love for him, the participation in his work and ministry. Philippi was the first city in Europe that Paul brought the message of Yeshua. And we can see that in Acts chapter 16. With this launch into the primarily Gentile world, Paul called coming to Philippi the early days of my work spreading the good news when I left Macedonia. One of the most familiar verses of the letter is in this chapter, Philippians 1.21, where Paul stresses the centrality of Yeshua in his life. Paul, whose whole life, from his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, whose execution under Nero, was all about knowing Messiah more and more and more, and becoming, as he frequently said, to be in Messiah. Not only just one who believes in Yeshua as Messiah, but seeking to become in Messiah, to be totally totally focused on, totally immersed in the life of the Messiah and the life we only have because of him. Paul will further discuss the centrality of Yeshua through the letter, this being the first and most direct affirmation of Yeshua being his source of life now and into eternity. That will conclude our introduction to the book of Philippians, our introduction to the first chapter in the letter to the Philippians. And we'll be getting into looking at chapter one, verses one tomorrow, as we get into the opening greetings that Paul gives in the letter to the people of Philippi. So thank you for watching today. This is Letter to Philippi Live, a daily Monday through Friday broadcast where we go through Paul's letter to Philippians. Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time. And if you want more information on Letter to Philippi, you can go to lettertophilippi.org. For those who are on, on uh, Facebook and and uh, YouTube, there's the scroll in the bottom with our, our website. But go to lettertophilippi.org. There you can ask any questions you have about our work. You can watch previous class videos that are posted there. You can purchase a copy of my Messianic Commentary on Philippians. You can make a contribution to our work, either a one-time or an ongoing contribution, which would be greatly appreciated to keep this work going. You can leave a prayer request. I want to be praying for you. And you can find out more about our other projects and what we, our mission statement and our statement of beliefs. That You can find out more at lettertophilippi.org. And thank you for watching. We will be back tomorrow with the first chapter and first verse of Philippians. And this is Letter to Philippi Live. My name is Sean Imsley. I'm your teacher and I'm the founder of Letter to Philippi. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. So blessings to everyone. And uh, today being, being Veterans Day for those who have served in the military, I'd like to, to let you know sincerely, thank you for your service. Thank you for defending our country and giving us the rights that we have to practice our religion and giving us the right that we can come to in this country to, 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 to be able to study God's word openly in the public, something that many of our brothers and sisters are unable to do in our world. But because of those who have defended liberty in our country, we have that right. We thank you for giving that right for us to live in freedom 
and for one of those most important freedoms, the freedom of religion, that we get to practice and get to, and to worship God and to look into his holy word openly and in public. We thank you for that, for your service to our country and to our service to our God because of your, of your work in defending our religious liberty. Thank you for watching. Have a blessed day, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow and looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Thank you for watching. Shalom.